Your Royal Highness, Lord Brabazon, Lady Brabazon, ladies and gentlemen, any self-respecting prophet opening his times on the 11th of February, 1884, and I assume that prophets are top people and therefore read the times, <laughs> would have seen at once an announcement on the front page which read as follows. On the 8th February, at 41 Onslow Square, the wife of Lieutenant Colonel Moore Brabazon of a son. I like that old-fashioned stuff. We don't get it nowadays. <laughs> and, of course, that prophet would have immediately been able to tell people that on the 25th of February, or thereabouts, in a place which in those days was not even heard of, the Royal Aero Club, there would be a pretty tremendous performance. But I think that it would have needed a prophet more of the caliber of Elijah to have said what a very, very great evening this is. And that, and that I'm sure everyone wants me to say, sir, is due to the fact that you have honored us tonight with your presence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sir, at different times in the history of this club, that would have been described possibly as spiffing or wacko or bang on. But in today's argots, I would say that it is absolutely fair. <laughs> and so, sir, if I may, I should like you to ask you now if you would take over. <laughs> Well, Mr. President and uh, Mr. Chairman, ladies and gentlemen, this um, is a birthday celebration, and I take it that everybody here wants the birthday boy to enjoy himself. <laughs> so, that being so, I won't list in any great detail the, all the reasons for this occasion, or to embarrass the President, if that is possible. <laughs> By, by a public uh, recitation of his deeds and misdeeds. Most of them are on this card here anyway for you to check up on if you feel like it. And if anybody here does not know why the club is giving this dinner or does not know all he ought to know about uh, Brab, then they shouldn't be here. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's his birthday. And I'm certain that everyone would like to hear uh, from the Oracle Direct. And I doubt very much whether he would claim any particular reticence in front of an audience. <laughs> Even on this occasion, and in front of such an appreciative audience as this one. So that all I propose to do, therefore, is to offer our love and best wishes to Brab and his wife, the president of this club, on his 80th birthday, on, on their 80th birthdays, 
same age. <laughs> and uh, on behalf of everyone present, and indeed on behalf of all the members of the Aero Club, because I think one or two of them aren't here this evening. <laughs> but I think uh, I'd like to include Lady Brabson because I'd be lacking or failing in consideration if I didn't, if we didn't offer her birthday greetings as well. I'm not quite sure what else we offer on this occasion, whether it's our congratulations or commiserate, commiserations <laughs> for having stuck Brad for 57 years. <laughs> President, this is simply this occasion is simply a tribute to um, from your friends and uh, to this kind of sporting and technological creases, um, whose in lively and inquiring mind has been such a help and stimulus to so many aspects of life in this country. <laughs> He's a unique person, and I think that the quality which perhaps I most admire is that he has never given up looking ahead. There are so many people who, at about 25, start saying <laughs> how much they <laughs> how much they enjoyed their prep school, you know. <laughs> And they never grow out of it. <laughs> the great thing about the president is that he's really concerned about what's going to happen. And this is really far more interesting. Now, I dare say that most people have long ago given up being surprised by the president's activities and his achievements and his comments. But I suspect that there may have been one or two raised eyebrows not very long ago when they read a report in a certain paper, which I've got a copy here, which describes some of the evidence in this recent train mail robbery. <laughs> and there is one piece of documentary evidence which I hope you all noticed. And it said that it says the paper showed various figures against various names. And the paper also gave the figure 1,500 and alongside of the word brab. <laughs> I can only assume that he's decided that it's time to enter a new phase of his life. <laughs> and so now it only remains to me to offer you our joint best wishes on this occasion, and this illuminated, if not very illuminating, uh, <laughs> memento of this very pleasant and enjoyable occasion.
Lords, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is uh, the greatest honor that could be paid to me, you know, because it's being paid to me by a lot of dear old friends. That in itself is remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> should have persuaded His Royal Highness to come here is exceedingly remarkable. <laughs> and I thank him very much for coming. But uh, it is a bit uh, overwhelming, you know. I wish the drinking of the health of anybody could have some sound therapeutic effect. <laughs> I badly want it. <laughs> and uh, if uh, the sincerity I saw, the way you drank my health, really has an effect on me, thank you from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> but you know, I wish I was celebrating some event. Whether coming out of jail. <laughs> or having done a hole in one. <laughs> or something. But nothing at all is being celebrated tonight. Except, really, you are drawing attention to the inexorable calendar which marches on. <laughs> the moving finger writes and having written moves on, nor all your piety or wit will change a line of it. Well, I don't mind that. <laughs> but the thing is, the finger, when you get old, moves and writes so damn fast. <laughs> Practically a typewriter. You know quite well the enormous period in your life between the ages of 14, say, and 18. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> well, wait till you're 80. <laughs> you see Perry Mason twice and a year's gone. <laughs> Duke was very kind to me, saying what he did. I'm so pleased he didn't make a catalogue of my misdeeds. <laughs> but still, you know he has Scotch blood in his veins. And consequently, people blessed or whatever you think with that are always a little imaginative. Because after all, I don't suppose any race in the world, apart from the Scots, could rhyme Loch Loman with before ye. <laughs> I know quite well it is customary to pay compliments to royalty and a very nice practice it is. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're one of those 
self-seeking publicities, people like Mr. Muckeridge. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say this about the Duke. I don't know whether you believe it or not, but he's one of my pin-up boys. <laughs> what I like about him is he pokes his nose into everything new. <laughs> and as he said himself, so many people look at new inventions rather as a cow looks at a passing train. <laughs> <laughs> that attitude is no bloody good. <laughs> I don't wish anybody in the world to be older than they are. I'd rather they were younger. But my goodness me, if the Duke had been my contemporary, my age, what fun we would have. <laughs> <laughs> he and Charlie Rolls and myself would have been excited about the motor car. We, like other people, would have been debating whether the electric or the steam, or the internal combustion engine would survive. It was a gamble at the time. Nobody could tell. We raced motor cars. He would have raced motor cars. And then we would have seen, as we did, the possible arrival of flight. And in order to do something in the air, we went up in balloons. And that was the reason for the foundation of this club. Don't forget that. We believed in the rights. Very few people believed them at that time. And finally, of course, I think he would have been down at Shetty with us, trying to get off the ground, which was a considerable feat. <laughs> Well, then, of course, the war came. He would have been a fighter pilot and a damn good one. The only point is, would he have been killed or not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, the point I want to make now is that here, I think our paths would have separated. I became a member of Parliament, <laughs> and I don't <laughs> think he could have done it. I am a member of Parliament. <laughs> I withdraw that the lower. <laughs> Well, I must say, I had 23 years of it, and I enjoyed every moment of it. It was the greatest fun. And thank God they pushed me upstairs, as they call it, just before those awful parliaments, 
when there was a majority of about four, you had to work like that. <laughs> <laughs> Mister. And then, you know, you work at a thing like that, and you get your colors. And I was very pleased to get my colors, and I was a minister under Winston. And that, I must say, gave me tremendous pleasure. Now, reverting to the Duke again, he sails uh, <laughs> a boat well, he drives a car well, he drives a helicopter well, he drives an aeroplane well. The only thing he doesn't drive well is a golf ball. <laughs> Considering he's the Duke of Edinburgh of all places. Ought <laughs> <laughs> to have a smack at the game. Because let me tell you this. I was once a fairly good golfer. And I firmly believe the worse you are, the more you enjoy it. <laughs> I must say I've got more enjoyment out of playing golf than anything else I've ever done in my life. <coughs> now, all this time in my life, this club has been my spiritual home. We've been awfully lucky with our secretaries. I can't help reminding you of dear Harold Perry. <laughs> What a quaint comb he was. <laughs> you know, at one committee meeting over which I presided, I was Mr. Chairman, Colonel Moore Brabazon, Sir, and Brabo Boy, <laughs> all within five minutes. <laughs> we were very lucky. And then when we thought everything was over, Along comes Mossy and revives us. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and now he's given up and Ryder takes charge. <laughs> when I was a young man in the clubs of London, the youth of the country used to talk about hocks and spavins. Don't suppose you know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> but the people in this club were talking about blown bugs and VP props. That, those are the people I wanted to talk to. And consequently, it was here one found the people one loved who were interested in the same things as I was. And don't forget that this club at that time was the boss of all aviation. No air ministry. No regulation. <laughs> Would you believe it's not an ARB? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
we all hope, you know, that the development of private aviation would develop so that one day we should all have our private runabout. Well, it hasn't quite happened like that. But, you know, I think it may. Vertical takeoff in a light aeroplane is quite an easy thing. The only thing is it's rather expensive. <laughs> but uh, the autogyro little runabout is absolutely the cat's whiskers <coughs> for the private man. The only thing is it's a little drafty. <laughs> I can't see anything wrong with it because it's exceedingly no, safe. I wish indeed I could live long enough to see it all. Well, now then, Hilda, sitting there. <laughs> She's put up with me now 57 years. And I think she ought to stand up to get a cheer because it's a hell of a yeah. <laughs> well, Hilda and I have seen a lot of things happen. And we've tried to pay humble part in it all. See the birth of radio and the excitement when the valve came in to hear speech come out of the air. Such a commonplace today. Well, what an exciting event it was when it occurred. We've seen the advent of the motor car and nothing short of the amazing development of flight. Surely. <laughs> Since the world started, never have three inventions brought about such fundamental social changes. And it was lucky to have lived during that particular period. <laughs> lucky indeed to have retained the affection of this great trust to be president for so long. Lucky indeed, honored by this wonderful dinner, surrounded by so many old friends, and honored indeed, as we all are, by the presence of the Duke among us tonight. <laughs>